0: so much for joining us today. My name's Ryan. We're thrilled that you're with us today. In just a moment the North Church band's going to come out and lead us in a few songs and then one of the Bible teachers is going to share with us a message that's going to help us grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord and challenge us to take those next steps towards Christ. All in all you can expect our service to last for about an hour to an hour and 10 minutes today and if after service you have any questions stop by the info center. There are happy volunteers would love to connect with you and answer any questions that you may have. Also, don't forget to check out the coffee bar. There we have a huge variety of hot drinks and cold drinks and tasty pastries for your enjoyment and it's all supported by your generosity. Here at North Church, a huge part of our mission is helping you connect in healthy and growing relationships. And if you're new here today, or you've been coming to church for just a couple of weeks now, we'd like to invite you to a brief five-minute gathering right after service called First Connect. There you'll get the chance to connect with one of the North Church pastors. Learn more about what God is doing here at the church and what your next steps may be. We'll see you there sixth graders through 12th grade this one's for you our youth fall kickoff is coming up september 6th at 7 p.m right here at the church you're not going to want to miss this it's going to be a huge celebration we're going to have music we're going to have games we're going to have so much going on it's going to be a blast and you're going to want to bring a friend make sure you invite your friends from school come join us for this party as we kick off the school year If you've been coming to North Church for any length of time, by now you've heard about Rooted. It's a 10 week journey where you and another small group of individuals get the chance to jump into God's word. You get to learn about your purpose. You get to learn about what God's doing in the church and take those bold next steps. If this is something that you haven't gone through before, I encourage you to go check out our website in the Rooted section. There we have a tremendous collection of stories of people's experience going through Rooted. And with over 600 people here at North Church That have gone through Rooted, hop out in the lobby after service and ask anybody at the Info Center or anybody that's gone through Rooted what their journey was like. We look forward to you praying about this and considering this. Registration is open right now and it closes September 12th. Those are all the announcements that we have for you today, and if after service you're in need of prayer, please step forward. Members of the church and members of our prayer team would love the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. Also, right now on your mobile device, check to North Church on Facebook. Every five check-ins right now provides a book for the library with our church planters in Indonesia. It's a great way for them to be able to share the gospel, and thank you so much for participating in this. Right now, we're going to sing. Would you please stand?
1: Good morning, North Church. I am so glad to see you all here. You woke up this morning, didn't you? And you breathed in like a strange new thing in the air. That's the beginning of football season that's right around the corner. Come on. Yeah. Hey, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. Let me welcome you, especially if you're new or newer to the church. Maybe you're looking for information on how to get connected or just kind of want to say hi and let us know that you're here. We do a thing right after the service. We call it First Connect. It's right over there underneath the TV monitor on that side. For about five minutes, uh, I'll be there just looking for a chance to say hello, to uh, greet you, shake your hand, get to know you a little bit and start that process of connecting. So I look forward to seeing you there because Connecting in relationships and getting connected both with God and with others is a huge part of what takes place. So let's, at this point, turn, say hello, greet those people who are standing right around you this morning.
2: Well, hey guys, my name is Zach and I'm the creative arts pastor here at the church. And uh, it is my pleasure this morning to tell you a little bit about these guys. Here at the church, we really value um, leadership development and sending leaders out. And uh, this is Adam, Ashley, and their kids, Isla, Emmy, and Cohen. And they've been with us for almost two years now in our creative arts residency program. And Adam, came all the way from the west side, and he has been doing a fantastic job leading worship and making videos and doing all kinds of great stuff here at the church. And a lot of you probably know them and have uh, been a part of the ministry that they've been involved in here. And Ashley has been pouring out to a lot of girls here in in the church as well. So they have been placed and hired at a church over in Everett just recently, which is a part of the sending out piece of this residency that we have so they're going to be at refuge foursquare church and adam's going to be the worship pastor and i think ashley got hired as uh, an admin at the church as well so that is so awesome we get to celebrate this morning how cool is that so if you haven't got a chance to meet them they're going to be here for one more week adam's going to lead us in worship next week so that'll be cool say hi to them give them a high five before they go Um, But this morning, I thought maybe as a church, we could just send them out well, and let's just pray for them as a church. And um, yeah, we'll send them out. Lord Jesus, we just come before you this morning, and we're so thankful for this family that came and sacrificed so much to be here, Lord. That they've given back, and they've poured out. God, we pray that as they move into this new assignment, Lord this kingdom assignment that you would bless them and you would pour out in their lives, Lord, that you would make this move easy and uh, you'd bless each and every one of their kids, God. Lord, that you'd give Adam and Ashley a heart for this new church and these people in this church, God. Lord, that you'd make everything they do there so fruitful and Lord, we're so jealous that they get to bless this church, but so thankful, God. We just pray this in your name. Awesome. Well, would you give it up for these two? So cool. Well, hey, we are going to continue in worship this morning. We have a new song for you guys. Um, and it's been really speaking to my heart over the last few months as I've been singing and worshiping along with it. And the song reminds, reminded me of the scripture out of Genesis. I'm going to read it for you here. It's where Abraham has been longing for a child. He's 76 years old. He's been praying and begging God for a child. And in in that place of pain and brokenness and really longing for this child, it's where God speaks to him. And he says here in Genesis 15, he says, and he brought him outside. This is God and Abraham. God brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. And number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and counted him as righteous. And I can only imagine in that moment, Abraham was excited to know that he was going to have a child. Um, But God didn't only say, not only are you going to have a child, but you are going to birth a nation. Um, Abraham was 76, and it wasn't until he was 100. fulfilled that promise 25 years later and I can imagine if I were Abraham that for 25 years I would be doubting I would be hurting and I'd be wondering God was that you did you really speak that to my heart or was that just me thinking that but I'm sure Abraham had to look back and remember who God is that he's a God who loves us, he's a God who fulfills his promises that comes through for us. Abraham had to have faith and then God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. And this morning we're gonna sing this song that speaks so closely to that. We're gonna sing it in faith. So let's, let's do that just now.
1: Go ahead and uh, grab a seat as we head into a moment of prayer here. I'm just going to ask you, what is that mountain that needs to be moved in your life? That place of need, that impossible situation, that thing that's not going to work out unless God comes through. He's in the business of moving mountains, and it's in the place of prayer that we meet him, where we get to open our heart to him and talk to him about our sense of need where we get to tell him that we trust him and we rely on him and we depend on him. And it's in that moment of prayer very frequently that God speaks to us and allows his grace and peace to descend on us as he speaks that word of hope and encouragement that that mountain will be moved. So I'm going to invite you into these next few moments. Spend them right where you're seated, speaking to God, sharing your heart with him, spending these few moments that we have. Let's pray.
3: Do it again, we pray. Move another mountain. Reveal to us again, God, your faithfulness. Lord, we worship you. We trust you this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give my congratulations to this guy over here as well, Adam. Uh, so proud of you, uh, the faith that it took to move here, and to the sacrifices that you and Ashley and the kids made to be here to develop and grow and change out a, a, a career path, one that was very lucrative, one that was working out well that you had trained for, and then you retooled to give your life away to God and in a new way and to serve Him full-time in, uh, in and through the local church and worship and thank you for that thank you for that we are so proud of you to be able to send him out quality people like them and thank you church as well because you are such a significant part of the believing in people the taking risks on people the inviting people into your heart and, and, and allowing god to speak through them and use them and then the hard part to release them just when you love them you know <laughs> and uh To release them and to let God use them. Because what God does through the releasing of leaders is He touches other people, hundreds of others in other places. And so it's the multiplying effect of God's grace through this church. So thank you for believing in leadership development development and identifying and developing and then releasing, which is the hard part, those leaders so that God's grace is multiplied throughout Spokane and Washington and the world. And you are a part of that. Matter of fact, your gifts and the giving of this church goes towards that as well. One of the things we we sometimes forget because we think of the physical needs that are there that we we also reach, but we develop people and then we send them out to plant churches and to pastor and to uh, make impact in various ways in our community. So your your generosity is making a difference. Thank you for that. So we're going to receive our tithes and offering here in just a moment. One of the things that struck me last week when Scott was giving kind of that challenge through the, we're in a series on worship, and he gave a challenge that don't Don't let anything pass you by that is an activity that you're doing in worship, but just do it kind of religiously or without thought. Remember that challenge? And so one of the things that struck me was one of the ways that I give, many of you do the same thing, is through online, through either bank, your own bank, or through one of the portals that we have. And uh, it's just a rhythm that happens. It's in my budget. I rarely think about it. And I was thinking, you know what? I need to think about it every now and then to remember this is part of my worship to God. So I just wanted to say a brief prayer for those who are in that situation where you give in a regular rhythm. It's a wonderful thing. It happens. Uh, It's priority of your life, priority of your budget. But sometimes you just forget about it. So let's pray for that. Lord, we just uh, give you these gifts right now those that are physically in our hand, but also those that are just happening behind the scenes because we've made a conscious decision to prioritize you and your kingdom. Lord, we pray, would you bless that as part of our worship, and we do it intelligently, and we do it thoughtfully and from the heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I'll have the ushers come up, and I'm going to dive right in. Uh, Pastor Scott kicked us off on a brand new series this past week, called the art of worship and so we're going to talk more about worship and I love I love worship I love the fact that we're doing the series and and uh, just this being such a worshiping church too that uh, God has just put the heart of worship within us as a church and I love that because worship is both a duty and a privilege and when we gather to worship we're not here just for ourselves We're here for God. He is the center of our worship, and He's the reason that we do it. I I don't know about you, but when I come here, I love the fact that I often leave encouraged and inspired, but that's not the heart of worship. It's not how I feel or how you feel. I can come in, and you often come in in the same way where you're discouraged or down, and if we wait until we have the right feelings to worship God, then we won't worship Him very often because it's a decision of the will to say, I don't care how I feel, whether I'm on a mountaintop or in a valley, I'm coming to worship God, to gather my thoughts and gather my fears and gather my, my, my concerns and my anxieties and submit them all at the foot of the cross and just to worship God for who he is. Worship leader and songwriter Graham Kendrick said it this way, he said, worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Because if we're waiting for something to come upon us before we make the decision to be a worshiper, then you might wait an awful long time. And so it's an act of the will. It's an act of faith. And we worship and serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of a feeling. Jesus said it this way. He said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I love that because worship, as Scott said last week, it involves and includes your whole being. And we're complicated, aren't we? We're made up of, of, of spirit and soul and heart, mind, and strength, and God says, yeah, all of that. Worship me with all of it, and I love, I love worshiping God in, in spirit. It's an important part of our worship that we come to Him, we come to him and we don't, we don't control how it will come out. For example, we were worshiping with that new song, and it hit me, just God's faithfulness God's faithfulness in the past and what he's yet to do and sometimes when I'm worshiping and I'm singing songs and and words of truth about who God is and his character and nature I don't know you probably feel the same way but I just get hit in my heart and sometimes I begin to to cry or 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 I feel tears coming down my cheeks and and sometimes uh I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I try and shut that off because I, I, don't, I don't know. It feels weak, and I don't want to present my worst self. I want to present my best self. And yet, as I age and get older, I'm realizing, no, those tears are a gift because we are emotional beings too. And uh, those of us who aren't criers, you know, we especially are the ones who like to shut it down and shut it off because it's so awkward and unfamiliar. Yeah. And yet it's in that place that God is trying to heal something in you. It's in that place that maybe we're overwhelmed with how good He is or some truth about Him. It's in that place that we can hear the Spirit of God speak to our spirit. And so we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul. It's a good thing. Let this be a safe place to express emotion and passion to know God. Let's not shut it down and shut it off and try and come across dignified and, you know, our best self. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, but with all of your mind too. With all of your mind and all of your strength. To love Him includes your thinking, your, the process of thinking. Those of you who are critical thinkers in the room, good news for you. You don't have to check your brain at the door. You get to bring your whole self involved in this thing called worship. You're actually encouraged to love God with your mind. To be a genuine seeker of truth. And that means that it's not an either or, it's a both and. Loving God with all of your passion and all of your emotion, but also with your intelligence and with your rational thinking, and with truth. He says, bring it all. It doesn't have to be either faith, or science, or critical thinking, or emote. It's, no, bring it all. Last week, we talked in John chapter 4, and I'm going to continue there. So if you have a Bible, open it with me, John chapter 4. We're going to stay in that passage for a little bit this morning. And uh, because this is a passage that Jesus was teaching this woman about worship. Now, this particular lady was a Samaritan. And and that was not cool for a Jew and a Samaritan to sit down and have a discussion. Jesus, of course, breaks down these gender barriers because men and women were not supposed to talk like that, especially all the disciples had gone and he was alone. But he also breaks down the racial barrier and the cultural barrier. And he engages in this respectful dialogue. And Jesus said this to the woman sitting there at the well. The hour is coming and it now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth and So if you didn't hear that message from last week, go online, listen to that, it'll catch you up. But worshiping in both spirit and in truth. Jesus said, God is looking for you. He's wanting you to be one of his worshipers in just that way. But it's not just spirit, it's truth too. And it's not just the truth I fabricate, It's the truth that God has already revealed. Before we came to Spokane, our family lived in Prescott, Arizona. And uh, any Arizonans here? A couple, yeah, I see a few hands, good, good. Uh, Prescott, center of the state, more towards the northern area, northern Arizona. It kind of has that vibe. And uh, in northern Arizona, Flagstaff, Prescott, but specifically Sedona, it's known as the New Age capital of the world. And so thousands of people will descend in this area of Sedona and Flagstaff and, and, and kind of gather to, to be amongst the rocks and the energy vortex that is supposedly there. It, kind of similar to what's going to happen here tomorrow down in Oregon. Oregon. You know, a million people supposed to go to Oregon. Any of you have your glasses ready to go? Got, your gla- got, got those special solar glass? Well, you can rent those out now because they're hard to find. But tomorrow, going to be kind of a cool event, right? Well, back to Arizona. So in Prescott, in Sedona, people will come and they'll gather and they'll build these big medicine wheels and they'll get in the middle of it and they'll experience the energy of the area and they'll buy crystals and they'll try to kind of determine some of their life destiny through that or they'll have someone read their aura can you read me (laughs) I'm a little skeptical with this stuff so what it is is that you fabricate and you customize what it is you believe in whatever it is you believe in and your version of truth is all that matters and then You go here and and you go to to this particular area and then you just kind of find self-discovery and it's this whole religious experience that's based on your customized truth. The problem with that is that Jesus said we've got to worship the Father in spirit and in his truth in a truth that doesn't find its origin in me. It's a truth that finds its origin in God. So let's go back to the story in John chapter four as Jesus is teaching this woman about worship and he's traveling through Samaria. He stops at this historic place, Jacob's well, and it was there at Jacob's well. Jesus, he's wearied, and as he was there uh, from his journey, he was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour, which is around noon. It's boiling hot, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples, they had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus, of course, he's breaking down all of these barriers. And he answered her and he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well that we drank from, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. You see, the barrier to true worship is drinking from the wrong well. Drinking from the wrong well. This woman, as sincere as she was, was sincerely wrong because she had... She had it wrong. And so we dig wells for ourselves and we find, we look for ways to fill the thirst of our soul by digging our own wells. And you say, well, what kind of well are you even talking about? Well, one of them is like money and comfort. That's an obvious one. That we often turn to money and buying things. My buying power, if I'm able to get the things I really want in life, live in the kind of house I want, drive the kind of car I want, dress like I want, have the cool stuff I want, get the recreational vehicles I want. If I get all of that, then I'll be happy and satisfied and fulfilled. And yet we thirst again and again and again because it's the wrong well or maybe it's the well of relationships and sex you know we we think that some other person will make me happy that if i'm in the right relationship with a person then that person will meet my deepest needs and we will complete each other right or or having sex that if i have sex and we bond in that way and it doesn't even have to be a person, right? It could be like an image on a screen that that'll take care of me, that I thirst and I'm, I'm, I'm dissatisfied on the inside. And, and so my soul is weary and we turn to those things. This woman, in the, the woman at the well did that. Matter of fact, Jesus says later in the passage, you, you've been actually married five different times to five different people and you're living with your boyfriend right now. She was in that situation. That was the well she was digging from was, man, I, a, a man will make me happy. Or we dig from the well of respect and success, thinking that somehow if I earn enough degrees or if I accomplish enough business success or whatever it is, that people will respect me and I'll be able to leave a legacy and I'll make my mark and that's what will make me happy feel like I have significance in this life. And yet Jesus in verse 13 said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Where are you drinking? What well are you drinking from? In Arizona, uh, I mentioned that earlier, one of the other places in Arizona is the Grand Canyon. And I remember the the time that I went to the Grand Canyon, I hadn't seen it as as a little kid, but when I was 17, we decided to, to hike across it in one day. And we were actually on the north side of the Grand Canyon. It's about 8,000 feet in elevation. It goes down to about 2,300 feet. And then it climbs back up on the south side to about 7,000 feet. And it was 24 miles long, boiling hot day. We did it in one day. And, And I don't know, I don't think all of my brain synapses were connected at that time. I was only 17. And so we decided to just take one sandwich and a canteen of water. And we just figured that was good. We'll figure it out. And so we take off and we get down to the very bottom. And, you know, downhill went pretty well. And we get to the bottom and it was on the way back up. It's literally like 120 degrees at the bottom of the canyon. Boiling hot. Ran out of water long ago, climbing up to the top of the south rim. And it's, I'm thinking about how it's going to be dark at some point because we had hiked for over 12 hours. And, and uh, finally, uh, I was so thirsty. I was dehydrated. I decided I've got to drink water no matter where it's from. And so I found, a little, I found a little watering hole. And I filled up my canteen there and I drank. And I noticed that there was a little sign that said, caution. <laughs> that should give it away, right? <laughs> caution do not drink, but I was so thirsty, I just filled it up, and I drank, I drank the whole thing down, and thought, I'll just try and make it to the top, well, about an hour after I drank from that particular water, my stomach starts gurgling, you know, dumb and dumber, have you seen that, (laughs) and then, yeah, the bad image, but, but, (laughs) but then, but then the nausea sets in, and the headache, pounding headache, I'm completely dehydrated, and I just start dry heaving on the trail. And I found something in the Grand Canyon, they don't share water. You know, if you were stupid enough to forget your water, you die. It's just that simple. (laughs) It's like Everest. You know, you forgot your down coat, bummer for you. And so I'm, I'm laying there and I'm just sicker than a dog, ready to die. My brother, Matt, he comes alongside and he helps me get to the top, which was about four or five miles yet to go. Make it to the top. What a horrendous experience. What well are you drinking from? Some of us in the room, you know you're drinking from a well that's not going to fill you. It's not one that is is going to complete you. It's not one that is really hitting the area of your soul that is thirsty. And it's going to sour in your stomach. Give it enough time. And it's going to turn on you. And that's why Jesus said all these other wells that we try to dig for ourselves, they'll end up going nowhere. They'll end up turning on you. But he said, whoever drinks of the well that I will give him will never thirst again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, when we worship the Father in truth, we make that choice to drink from the right well. Worshiping in truth also means knowing the truth about Jesus, knowing the truth about him. Honor the Lord your God, worship only him, and make your promises in his name alone, the writer of Deuteronomy says. See, we were only given permission to worship God. No other person, no other endeavor is worthy of your worship, only God alone. And so is it okay to worship Jesus? Jesus, the Son of God, can we worship Him? Absolutely yes. Because Jesus is God. God came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, the man, and He lived a sinless, perfect life. And Jesus then died on the cross as atonement for all of our sin. Jesus allowed the full wrath of God to rest on him so that it wouldn't rest on you. Jesus was then buried, and on the third day, he rose again. He overcame death, and then he ascended to heaven where he sent back his Holy Spirit to live within you. And it's the Holy Spirit that is that wellspring of water, pure water, that wellspring that rises up from within you because the Holy Spirit dwells in you as a believer of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God and he's worthy of my worship. See from the very beginning when Jesus came to this earth we see people worshiping him. Those wise men from the east came when he was yet an infant and it says going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and they worshiped him. Before Jesus went to the cross, he was coming into Jerusalem on a colt, and you'll remember the people began to spread out palm branches and they took palm branches and trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Hosanna means save us, God! And it was a form of worship Then on those stormy sea where Jesus walked on the water and he calmed the storm, you'll remember, and he came into the boat and the disciples, it says, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. We worship God and so we worship Jesus. The truth about Jesus is he is God and he is worthy of our worship. Worshiping in truth also has a, a me component. I've got to understand the truth about me. And one of the truths, one of the fundamental and important truths about me is that my heart is deceitfully wicked and above all else, who knows it? As Jeremiah said, that I often think thoughts that are not so great and my motives can be mixed and my actions can be duplicitous. I must realize my own propensity to compromise the truth and go my own way, to rebel against God and to justify my own actions. Have you yet come to the place where you understand that truth about you? We say, well, that sounds depressing. It's like, yeah, it kind of is. That's not the totality of who I am, but that is a truth about who I am. And it ties into why I need God. The writer, the apostle John in 1 John said it this way, he said, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have found fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us you see i've got to see that i am in need of a savior that i have blown it And I have been selfish and I have rebelled against God. And I am in need of grace. And it's when we come to the realization of how much I need grace. How much I need God's mercy. It's in that place that when God gives it to us through Jesus. What he did on the cross. I become a worshiper. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm overwhelmed with how good he is. Have you been overwhelmed with how good he is in spite of often how corrupt we can be? To be the kind of worshiper God is seeking. I've got to live in the truth. I've got to walk in the light. I've got to be honest with myself and honest with God and honest with others. And I've got to deal with my sin. And the way that I deal with it is not just some self-improvement plan. It's by going to God and asking in humility for forgiveness and changing by the power of his spirit changing worshiping in truth has one last thing i want to bring up and that's knowing the truth found in god's word we got to know the truth about jesus we got to know the truth about ourselves and be honest with that and know that there's good news that comes out of that and then we've got to know the truth that's found in the bible in the word of God. See, if worship involves obedience, which it does, how will you ever know that you're pleasing to God if there is no truth you can count on? If your truth is equal to my truth and equal to someone else's truth, and there is no absolute truth, and just be, be true to your own truth, and if that's where it's at, then there are no common values. There is, no, there is nothing that holds us together And there is no way to ever know whether we're pleasing to God and walking with Him. And that's why God gave us the Scripture. He gave us, as a gift, the Word of God. Preserved, to give us encouragement, to instruct us, to help us know when we're blowing it, to turn back to Him, to receive insight, wisdom, discernment, and to know how to rightly live. Evidence for the Bible can take on many forms. There is, for example, physical evidence. We have copies of the manuscripts and throughout history, these copies show that the Bible has been transmitted accurately. Despite some common skeptical claims that the Bible has often been changed through the centuries, the physical evidence tells us a different story. The New Testament records are incredibly accurate. There are minor differences in manuscripts that are called variants. But none of these variants impact or change key Christian beliefs or claims. Other physical evidences include archaeological finds. And if you're interested, make sure and pick up an archaeological study Bible because within the notes of that particular Bible and articles, it documents how archaeology has again and again proven that the Bible does correspond to historical accuracy. There are other kinds of evidence as well. The fact that the Bible was written by 40 different authors, it's 66 different books over the course of 1,500 years, and yet it has one solid theme. The theology is intact, it's consistent from cover to cover. The Christian worldview is robust, reasonable, and grounded in history. And trusting the Bible as God's word is a rational and intelligent thing to do. John chapter 8, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, where are the teachings of Jesus that we're to be faithful to? They're they're found right here in the scripture. He said, if you're faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is found in the teachings of Jesus. They're recorded in the Bible. And Jesus offers you and me freedom. Freedom. Freedom from drinking out of the wrong well. Freedom from relationships that will never fulfill us. Freedom from all of the various vain pursuits. Freedom to know the truth. To engage our mind, our soul, our heart, our strength in knowing him. I've asked the worship team to come back up and lead us in a song that's uh, it's based on the Apostles' Creed. It's not a word for word of that, but it's based on that. And that Apostles' Creed is, is, is unifying to the body of Christ at large because it focuses on the truths of Scripture that bind us together, that we live out our faith. And so the truth about God... That Jesus is God. The truth about myself, that I'm in need of a Savior. The the truth about the Scripture, that I can base my life on it. And that I become a worshiper in soul and spirit with my mind. And we worship passionately, and we worship intelligently. Would you stand with me as we sing these truths of Scripture? (laughs)
4: Receiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior.
1: When we we worship by declaring those truths, we unite ourselves uh, to thousands of years of followers of Jesus. We unite with believers in Christ through millennia and on into eternity, and that's a powerful thing. We worship God in spirit and we worship him in truth. I want to invite you to come back next week, we're going to talk about how the way that we live our life, the way we conduct our lives and behave is an expression of our worship to the Lord as well. Uh, Before we go, if you would like someone to pray with you or pray for you about anything, there will be people over here on this side that would love to do that. Just step on up. If you're new or newer to the church and looking to get connected, I'll be over here on this side uh, for a five-minute first connect. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.